Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. Today's episode is brought to you by Empower. It doesn't matter how much money you have, we all have money questions. Empower is here to answer those questions so you don't have to worry. Take control of your financial future with a real-time dashboard and real live conversations to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. All right. You ready? Ready. Everybody good? Mm -hmm. Energy up? Yes. Yes. Lauren. Mike. Lauren, where are you? I, I can't see your eyes. Like, I look at your face and I just see sort of a bluish purple blob where your eyes are. <laughs> Are you in there? Hold on. Let me twist my digital crown on my Apple Vision Pro headset. Oh, I can see your eyes now. <laughs> but um, you still feel kind of like distant, like you're not really paying attention. That's the thing with mixed reality. You're really teeing this up quite well. Well, thank you. You're there, but you're not. <laughs> but you're here, but you're not. Are you present enough to do a podcast? I think we should podcast. Okay, let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And we are also joined this week by Wired product writer and reviewer Brenda Stoliar. Welcome back, Brenda. Thank you. I'm happy to be back one year later. Yes, you are here in the room with us for our 600th episode. You should feel totally honored. <gasps> wow. Oh, my gosh. It's the 600th episode. It's number 600. Congrats, you guys. Thanks. I wonder what that number means in like numerology. We should look it Ooh. up. Ooh. Maybe a special number. <laughs> look it up for the end of the show. Yeah. I okay. Will. It means the singularity is approaching. <laughs> we should uh, probably tell people what we were originally planning for our 600 episode. We were going to float in a pool. We were. We had an extremely random idea that we were just going to go find a pool somewhere and all of us were going to sit there and tread water with our little zoom handy recorders <laughs> up to our faces and record a podcast i mean and our producer was actually on board with this sure boone the most excellent producer in the world most producers would be like this sounds like a nightmare from an audio perspective like you're bringing electronics into the pool we were like no we're gonna do this and we had a pool in mind and we were we were going to invite matt honan to come on the show yeah or just ghosts of gadget lab past I yeah think. we had this whole plan and then apple happened and then apple happened as per usual, <laughs> Apple throws every life plan off and we drop everything. But if you'd still like us to tape a pool episode in the future, 
we will do it for you. Just leave it in the comments on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Preferably with an address. An address for what? For the for the pool, like right, the location right, yes, of the pool. Yes, if you have a pool, if you're <laughs> offering a pool, please let us know. But unfortunately, today we are actually talking about Apple because this week the company is holding its annual Worldwide Developers Conference. The opening keynote was on Monday and there was a ton of news. The biggest announcement on Monday was the new mixed reality headset called the Vision Pro. Of course, there were other updates to iOS, Mac computers, the Apple Watch, iPads, We'll talk about those later, but we should spend the first part of the show talking about Apple Vision Pro. And before we dive right in, I want to ask both of you to set the scene a little bit because you went to Apple's headquarters in Cupertino, California to attend the keynote. Did you not? Yes, we did. We were there <laughs> we did, in person. Um, yeah, I realized that this year, I think, was a lot more similar, I imagine, to what it has been prior to the pandemic because last year was my first time attending and it was definitely a lot smaller of a group. I think it was a little bit more controlled in terms of our schedule. It felt quieter last year. I don't know why. I don't know how to explain it. But this year, it just felt like there was a lot more people, a lot more going on. There was a lot of energy in the room. And some of that was almost undoubtedly because people were expecting the announcement of the mixed reality headset. So in the past, WWDC has been at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Then it was at the Steve Jobs Theater down in Cupertino on Apple's new campus. And then last year and this year, they opened up the cafeteria area on Apple's campus so that it's partially indoors, but mostly outdoors. It really feels like you're going to a music festival or a concert. There's a stage set up and there are some executives who come out and do little greetings on stage. Tim Cook came out and did his infamous good morning, yeah. you know, to which the crowd actually kind of chuckled <laughs> collectively. But then they're actually just showing a video now. It's a pre-taped video. So it's a pretty controlled environment. And just to give a little more background, you know, WWDC is typically about Apple software. But in recent years, it has also become a platform for the company to talk about new hardware like new Macs and its silicon because it now makes these custom chipsets that go in almost all of their products. So we heard a little bit about that, too. And we will talk about the custom silicon and all those products later in the show. But first, I have to ask you, you got to try the mixed reality headset, Apple Vision Pro. Like, what was it like? At first, I wasn't certain that I was going to be able to try it on because after the keynote ended, a whole bunch of us went over to the Steve Jobs Theater. And by the way, Apple's campus is huge and, and like just wear your most comfortable shoes if you ever go there. And we went down to the bowels of the theater and that's where the Apple Vision Pro headset, there were multiple units and they were set up like on these like stands. You know, there is, was this circular kind of what I'd like to call the hands off area because we were not actually allowed to touch the product. We could merely peer at it. We couldn't even like put our elbows on the counter that it was around. We were really being told by security, like stand back. It was like being in a museum. And so I left the theater thinking, is that it? I mean, I got to see it up close, but like, is that it? And then afterwards actually did go to a totally separate building on campus, which I later found out was constructed specifically to house like demos and meetings of the device and went into a private room and was able to try it. And Brenda, you did not get to try it, right? I did not get to try it, but I was in that same hands-on, hands-off area. And I remember just like putting my phone down on the counter, not even thinking about it. And immediately, I swear, I didn't even see the Apple employee. He just popped up out of nowhere. And he's like, 
can you not put your stuff on the counter? Like, I don't need, we put, I think, <laughs> just a random thing. Like, I swear I did not see him and he just, out of nowhere, like, was heavily controlling this counter, this round table, and making sure that there was absolutely nothing on it. But, yeah, I did get to see it on its little stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, basically, to... it was like looking at an original Picasso. They were like, don't go near the artwork. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Lauren, you go into the private room. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens before you actually put the headset on? So first, there were some calibration steps to take where an optometrist um, took down my prescription information. And I, I decided to wear contact lenses yesterday, not glasses, because I kind of had a sense this was coming. Um, and also, they scanned my face and my ears. They used a Face ID-like app to, to scan like my measurements. And that was to create a spatial audio experience. And then there's a few minutes of lull. And then by the time I went into the private room, there was a headset waiting for me that had been calibrated to me. Uh, put it on and, you know, adjusted the soft straps. There's one in the back and then one at the top. And um, I will say that the setup process was remarkably easy and pretty intuitive. Um, felt very apply. I wasn't sure how much of that was because they had calibrated it for me in advance or if it's going to be like that for everyone when they first put the thing on. Hmm. There was a home screen in front of me floating in front of me and at this point I was still in AR mode so I was able to see because of the all the pass-through cameras on the device I was able to see the living room around me and the two Apple representatives who were sitting there but it wasn't like I was seeing like I was staring through totally transparent display or like uh, glasses it was like it it's hard to describe for people who haven't tried you know pass-through VR but it's like the room was being shown to me does that make sense yeah and then there's the dial on the front right of the device that lets you adjust whether you want to be in that augmented reality space or change the environment around you so you're totally immersed. So you open like a panoramic photo and you could immerse yourself in that, that photo of a lake or Mount Hood or something like that. Or you can have it so it's just cast in front of you as a 2D image, but you still see the living room around you. That, I think, is one of the more interesting parts of this headset is that it does allow you to dial back or dial up the immersiveness. The other part that's pretty remarkable are the gesture controls. You're able to go through the home screen of Apple apps and then within each app itself by just tapping your two fingers together. It's really easy to like grab things and move them and scroll. You're not using any hand controllers. The device has just scanned your hands. You see your real hands and you just like do these pinching gestures and I haven't quite experienced anything like that, I think, in any other headset. So you have tried a lot of different headsets and in what way is the experience of like the scrolling and the, the screen resolution and all of the things like the technical aspects of the execution and in, in what way is that different in the Apple headset than to the other ones you've tried? So with gesture control, I want to talk about the optics because that's very important. But I'll note that with gesture control, I think the most remarkable thing was that there wasn't any latency. Or if there was any latency in like, you know, milliseconds, it was barely detectable. Sure. So that seemed pretty impressive. From an optics perspective, the way that some of these AR headsets are designed is that they're using waveguide technology where you have this little waveguide engine in like the temple or side of the of the glasses. And it's basically like shooting light into this display that then reflects the light back into your eyes. And that's how you see imagery. It's like a hologram. Like a hologram. Exactly. Apple is not using that technology. 
the, when you're what you're looking at are two 4K displays. Now there is a limit to the field of view, and of course, when you ask Apple about this, they do kind of like a hand wavy. It doesn't matter. Because as long as we've made the experience better than everyone else, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. But at some point, you do see like the edges of the imagery you're looking at sort of, it's weird. It's not a hard edge, like a square you're looking at. It's kind of like they do these like wavy edges a little bit. But you do see at some point there's a limit to that. Um, but the imagery is really, it was really crisp. Uh, it wasn't fitted perfectly to my face in this demo, so I'd have to tinker with it a little bit more if I ever got my hands on it again. Um, but it felt like, yeah, okay, I, I'm looking at Apple Photos or um, looking at a 3D version of the movie Avatar or watching this incredible John Favreau directed like dinosaur thing where the dinosaur is jumping out at me. And it felt like it felt pretty crisp. I'm still not certain how long I would want to wear the thing for. Uh, our colleague Boone, our excellent producer who I mentioned, wrote a great story this week on Wired.com about like, do people really want to wear VR headsets and for how long? And I think that's still a really important question to ask. But in the half hour that I tried it, I will say that it felt pretty comfortable. Um, the imagery was was really impressive um, and the interface was intuitive. I mean, it is it is important to note that, you know, we still haven't answered that question mm -hmm. because VR is still something that is not super portable and it's still not acceptable to wear one in public. People look, will point at you and laugh at you and maybe try to steal it if you wear one in public. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have predicted that, OK, if Apple's getting into the game and they're doing this very like design forward thing, they could actually make the technology cool to wear. I'm not at all convinced that that's going to happen. I still think it's like deeply weird to to like try to interact with people wearing a headset but they have done things to the headset to make it so that it's easier to interact with other people right like there is the ability to see the eyes of the person who's still wearing the headset if you're in the room with them and they have one on you can actually see their eyes and they can see you and it's supposed to feel like you're you're interacting with them well what's funny about that is that i was not allowed to take photos of myself wearing it yeah probably that part probably just doesn't so work. i couldn't see my own eyes and then no one else in the room was wearing one so i couldn't see if i could see their eyes yeah it was a very isolating experience um yeah and i think you bring up a good point which is that apple has taken a very aptly approach to this and seems to have done some things right thus far in the designing this new spatial platform, but it's still an unproven market. And one of the points that I made in a Wired story this week is that it, it's impossible to make this tech disappear. You can shrink it. Maybe it'll get to the point where we're wearing lightweight glasses and have this kind of experience. But a lot of modern Apple products have been successful because of the way they disappear into our lives. We all carry our phones around everywhere. We take them into the bathroom with us. They disappear into our pockets. We take them exercising with us. Um, iPad is an incredibly portable and slim device to use for work or for entertainment. AirPods disappear into our ears. People forget they're wearing an Apple Watch. It's, it's a watch. We're all used to wearing watches. This is such an intrusive device. Face computers are so intrusive. Uh, it's hard to imagine people really wearing this outside of the home. It's... Uh, I mean, maybe they will in the workplace, I, you know, maybe in schools. Uh, I, it, it feels to me like a really, really big swing. Mm -hmm. And at 
$3,500. Oh, yeah, the price. It's obviously not for everybody. It's primarily for developers. And in five years, there will be one that is much cheaper and maybe more accessible and maybe doesn't have a battery pack that you have to carry around in your back pocket. And then maybe at that point, it actually will be for everybody if people are okay with walking around with a computer on their face, which is still a gigantic question mark. I don't think we're going to answer it in this pod. I don't think so. <laughs> we do have to take a break and talk about other things, but I'm sure we'll talk more about Reality Pro on future episodes and in future stories and for until the end of time, it feels like. It's <laughs> such a big deal that it came out. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do, and how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down, so your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future, so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. This episode is brought to you by Empower. Can you retire early? Will there be enough money to leave an inheritance? Do you have savings for life's important milestones? If you have money questions, Empower has answers so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's try to get through the rest of the news from WWDC. We're probably going to have to do this like a lightning round because, uh, as expected, Vision Pro sucked up all the oxygen. But let's start with iOS. It feels like a pretty big update. Brenda, you write about iOS and all the new features and iPhones and everything for us. So what stood out to you uh, with the announcements around the mobile OS? So a lot of the messages features stood out to me because I am somebody that texts a lot. Um, Don't we all? And these feel like features that I was hoping would arrive one day but didn't expect them for iOS 17. Uh, specifically, the ability to read transcriptions with voice memos because I cannot tell you the amount of times that my friends and I will send voice notes to each other and send the exact same text that is like verbatim. I can't listen to this right now, but I promise I will listen to it later. And there have been so many times where like, I wish I could just transcribe it and read it <laughs> and then reply. And then I was like, I guess that would actually be a text message, though, if you think about it, because, it, you know, just write out your text instead of sending a voice memo. So that's why I was like, Apple will never come out with that. But then they announced it. And Lauren and I both looked at each other and we were like, oh, my God, like, finally. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited for that. Um, 
I think the new catch-up arrow that lets you jump to the first text in a long thread, um, if, say, you're in a group chat and there's a bunch of texts and you step away from your phone for a while and you come back and you're, like, scrolling up and you're like, I don't know where I stopped and this started. Uh, so that just brings you back up really quickly. So I think that's cool. Um, I really love the check-in feature, which will notify friends and family when you're home um, because... There's so many times where my friends and I will be like, text me when you're home, especially like after a late night and they'll get home and they'll fall asleep and it's like 2 a.m. and we're all like, where is she? You know, and we get worried and then we have to wait until the morning. Um, so that's nice. It'll also let them know if, say, there's a delay in the trip. Um, yeah, that, that feels that feels like a pretty big one, uh, particularly for the sector of the population that has to use it more often than the sector of the population does not have to use it more often. 100 percent. I will sometimes call friends on the way home because I just want to make sure that they're on the line um, <laughs> in case anything, God forbid, happens. So that's nice. It's, it's nice to know that somebody will be like keeping an eye on your route. Um, and yeah, I think I'm also really excited for FaceTime messages, uh, which will allow you to record a video or an audio message when someone misses a FaceTime call instead of texting them and being like, why can't you pick up? Or like, where are you? Um, I'm excited to see how people will use that. Um, but yeah. Nice. What about the journaling app? The journaling app. So I wonder if that's going to take off. Um, for anyone that's not familiar, uh, the journal app is a separate app that will provide you with writing prompts based on your activity, whether that's, say, you worked out or it'll pull from maybe your photos. Um, and it will give you a prompt to inspire you to write you know, a daily post. Um, and you can also schedule notifications to kind of create this daily habit of journaling. I personally have tried journaling since like middle school and I just, it doesn't stick. <laughs> uh, but Apple does want you to sort of, I guess, take a pause in your busy day and reflect and think about your emotions. Uh, it's coupled with uh, the new feature in the health app that will let you log your moods. Um, so I think there's this big push for mental health. And there have been rumors in the past that the Apple Watch will be able to recognize signs of any mental health struggles, such as depression or anxiety, similar to the way that it can detect signs of like sleep apnea. Um, so I think that's great because we're leaning more into a space that does not get nearly enough attention. And I think that can be not easily diagnosed, but monitored in a way that can help people understand their feelings, emotions, moods a lot mm -hmm. better. So yeah. instead of just being like time to stand, it'll be like time to actually go do something this weekend because you've <laughs> been in bed for three days. Also, we've detected grease on your scalp. <laughs> it is time to wash your hair. Exactly. Instead of just like staring into space being like, why am I feeling like this? What is happening? Like something that'll just tell me it's okay. You've been really stressed out lately. Like, take a break or, you know, go outside, like you said, or call your friend, <laughs> you know. So. I do think it's a little bit morbid that they're asking you to use the device that you carry with you everywhere that's always connected to the internet, that's constantly buzzing and sending you notifications. You should also use that device to talk about how you're feeling so overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just me. <laughs> You're right because you Very know, we, valid. it's funny that there were or there are, I should say, screen time features that 
try and get you off of your phone instead of them being like get a real journal and write your notes on real paper they're like open your phone and type everything out but i wonder if this comes from a lot of people using the notes app for journaling because i think that's Mm -hmm. pretty popular so they're probably like let's just make a separate app for this it's so easy to use it's so accessible um i have to give a shout out to old school journals I'm old enough to have started, you know, scribbling in actual notebooks when I was around 11 years old. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Lauren. Young people have no idea what pen and paper are. They don't. Should we do a whole <laughs> podcast on it so we can help explain it to them? Mom, if you're listening, just burn the journals. Uh, but, but yeah, um, Brenda, what you said about the correlation to screen time, uh, that really stood out to me as well when they announced the journaling app and and then the mindfulness features like this idea a few years ago of, oh, you're feeling overwhelmed on your phone or you're too immersed in social media, we'll just give you this screen time tool, really just seemed like slapping a Band-Aid on the issue, similar to this idea of like, write your gratitude list here and we're going to give it a little cover art and also start to categorize it, you know, based on where you are and add some photos to it. Uh, You know, I don't know how much of a solve that really is for deeper mental health issues. Yeah, I really am curious to see if people are going to use it rather than it just sitting on your phone and not really, you know, people not really paying much attention to it. We'll see. But uh, I do know that I feel like on social media lately, journaling is like a big, there's a big push for for that. So I wonder if Apple was leaning into that as well. (laughs) Is it really private journaling if you're journaling on TikTok? I don't think it matters. Hmm. Performance is part of it, right? Remember when people got really into bullet journaling? That might still be a thing, but people would then share on social images of their really Mm -hmm. cool looking bullet Mm -hmm. journals. Mm -hmm. I I think this is an example of people want to journal because they want to think that they're sort of fitting in with what's cool right now. You know, like, oh, I'm like, gotta set aside time to journal every morning because that's what happens in these like day in the life vlogs on TikTok. It's Mm -hmm. like today I woke up and I journaled for an hour. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's like Mm -hmm. a big push for that. So I wonder, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I I, I like a good gratitude list. I do them like probably three or four times a week. I really like it. I can't believe I'm admitting it. (laughs) Maybe this on a Gadget Lab podcast, but maybe I will. (laughs) Maybe I'll give it a try. But it's true. It's like important that like uh, like uh, last night as I was driving home from WWDC at eight o'clock at night after being there since seven in the morning or something absurd like that and having my face in a computer. It was a beautiful sunset. And I thought, oh, that's really nice. I can see the clouds over 280 and the sun is just peeking through and it's. That's real life right there. And then you reach up to your glasses to try and twist. <laughs> That's right. And then, I, and then I turned the dial. And I was once again enveloped in my self-driving car. You go back to reading emails. That's right. Slack. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we do have to talk about some of the other things. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the MacBook Air. Okay. 15-inch MacBook Air. Yeah. Exactly like the 13-inch except for the bigger screen. So exactly. That's it. That's all we have to say. <laughs> Um, yeah, the 15 inch MacBook Air. I mean, it's it's the first 15 inch in that lineup. Um, it has a 15.3 inch display, though, Ooh. so you get a little bit more screen real estate. I am personally very excited for this MacBook because I typically switch between the 14 inch MacBook Pro and the 13 inch MacBook Air. Um, and when I'm traveling, I will take the MacBook Air, but then I miss the large screen on the 14-inch MacBook Pro. I just cannot schlep that thing around. It is heavy. Mm. Um, I had seen, I don't know how much I can say, 
I maybe saw the MacBook Air in person, um, and I picked it up. Did they give you a soft strap and ask you to strap it to your face? They did. Okay. They did. They did exactly that, which is comfortable. (laughs) Very lightweight. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's definitely lighter than I thought. Uh, It looks like the inside of a 16-inch MacBook Pro, so... There's a bit more room on the sides where the keyboard is. The trackpad is bigger. So that might take a little bit getting used to. Um, But I'm very excited to be able to pick that up when I travel and still have that big screen, but not feel like it's weighing down my bag. And what about the chipset? Oh, yes. So it is an M2 chip. Um, It's an 8-core CPU and a 10-core GPU. And is the M2 a new chip? The M2 is not a new chip. It was announced last year, so that's powering the 13-inch MacBook Air and also the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, So this is just the base level within the M2 chip models. It's the entry-level chip. So I'd say this is great for basic tasks, emailing, web browsing, everything that we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. The preferred chip for the average person. But they also talked about the M2 Ultra a little bit yesterday. Yes. So so WWDC is now not, once again, not just a platform for announcing new software. It's for talking about the underpinnings of all of their hardware products and all of the power now that come with them. Yeah. So the M2 Ultra was announced alongside the Mac Studio. So you can now get the Mac Studio with the M2 Max or the M2 Ultra. And then they finally announced a new Mac Pro with the M2 Ultra. It's if the world's you, most powerful cheese grater. It is. It is. This <laughs> yeah. thing is, is a monster. Yeah. And uh, this basically closes out the M2 lineup. Okay. So the M2 Ultra is the last of that lineup, which means the yeah. M3 is coming. Yeah. Uh, but right now, the M2 Ultra is the most powerful chip. And that's really, you'll know if you need it. That's for just some heavy duty stuff. Editing heavy-duty footage, 3D rendering. Editing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Boone will definitely need that M2 Ultra. Yeah. So we do have to wrap up. But one thing I want to point out before we move on is that Apple didn't really talk about generative AI at all at WWDC, which feels like out of step with the wind that is blowing through Silicon Valley right now. With all of the other big names making generative AI the centerpiece of their developers' conferences, Apple skipped it. This was not really surprising because Apple has not really been flexing gen AI muscle, but we had a couple of stories go out about this this week. Uh, One written by our colleague Kari Johnson, noting that Apple really had the first AI-powered thing in our lives, which was Siri, for a lot of people, right? Their first sort of encounter with uh, a computer that feels like it's talking to you was Siri, which actually did talk to you. Uh, And since then, they haven't really flexed that muscle. I think it's because Siri turned out so well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You know what? I respect that yesterday did not just become Gen AI bingo. I really do, because you know that Apple has been making AI products for a very long time. They are almost certainly working on generative AI products. They did mention transformers at some point when they were talking about predictive texting in iOS. Yeah. Um, but they weren't filling the conference with all the jargon and stuff. And I, I was kind of glad for that, honestly. 
It's like, hey, do you guys like gadgets? Do you guys like <laughs> widgets chips. on the Mac OS desktop? Like do you like chips? Widgets were abundant. Yeah. So there they're were... basically doing the things that they do well and stopping there. And that's pretty good, I think. There's so much going on behind the scenes at Apple, too, that we just they've just turned the dial on. Mm. So we're blocked from that environment. <laughs> OK. On that note, we should take a break and we'll come back with our recommendations. Through conversations with investors and entrepreneurs, Unseen Upside by Cambridge Associates explores the human impact of investing. Season four focuses on exciting healthcare advancements, promising to improve outcomes and create resilient, patient-centric systems, blending technology and compassion. Meet the minds behind innovation shaping the future of medicine, from drug discovery to the role of AI. Uncover the Unseen Upside, available now. Hello, I'm Brian Cox. I'm Robin Ince, and this is the Infinite Monkey Cage trailer for our brand new series. We've got mummies, we've got magic, we've got asteroids. Mummies, magic and asteroids. What's the link? That it was an asteroid that magically went over the world that led to Imhotep the mummy coming back to life. That's correct. I thought it would be. We're as scientific as ever. But the most important thing to know is that we are going to deal with the biggest scientific question. We finally ask, what is better, cats or dogs? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is the last part of the show where we go around the table and we each give a recommendation to our listeners of things they might enjoy. Brenda, our guest, episode 600, special guest, you get to go first. What would you like to recommend? I would like to recommend The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. It is officially done. So the last season is out now. I feel like I'm on the show where I'm like, the last season's out now. You should watch. <laughs> um, but that is a... It's just beautiful television, and it's a show that is unique in the sense that every single season has been successful, in my opinion, and I think also just in terms of reviews. So, yeah, I think it's just a wonderful journey. I'm sad it's over, but I know that there are a lot of people that haven't watched, so it'll only just begin for them. So I wish I could, like, forget it completely and rewatch again but oh, yeah. i know that feeling <laughs> such a great show i think i stopped watching after season three and now you're making me want to pick it up again now you get to binge watch it oh, which is yes. the best part how so. many seasons are there now five five okay. i think yes either four or five but yeah i yeah. believe it's it's around that number yeah so. don't spoil it does midge Maisel end up happily ever after uh, don't, don't spoil, spoil it, it. Don't but spoil let me it. ask the big question uh you'll have to watch okay to find out because i i know that there are people out there that will be so mad if i even give a hint because i am like that i don't want to know anything i okay. just want to go into it completely unaware yeah so. want to go into it fresh yeah lauren what's your recommendation Watching Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. My recommendation. So at Apple WWDC this week, I had the opportunity to run into an old pal, Ray Maker, who may not be a household name to you if you're not super into wearable tech or outdoor fitness. 
But if you are into those things, you've probably heard of Rainmaker before, or you've heard of his website, which is DC Rainmaker. But uh, I hadn't seen him in a really long time. We taped a podcast episode together way back in the day where I got to just grill Ray for like an hour and a half on his approach to testing wearable tech and all the outdoor cool outdoor gear he gets to use. Uh, and it was really nice running into him again, and it made me uh, revisit his website. And it is such a great resource if you're looking for a smartwatch, a bike monitor, um, basically anything that like is tech that you attach to yourself or your gear because you want to get out there and do some athletic stuff. He does videos as well. Um, Yeah, I I recommend checking out DC Rainmaker if you're into outdoor tech. Nice. Is there a paywall? Is there a subscription? Nope. It's totally free. You can go there, get uh, product reviews, buyer's guides, how-tos, tips, all that stuff. So check it out. Nice. Mike, what's your recommendation? I'm going to recommend a book that I'm almost finished reading. It's called The Rest is Noise by Alex Ross. Alex Ross is a music critic, uh, and this book is old. I think it came out in 2007, but it's excellent. It won a bunch of awards. It was a finalist for the Pulitzer that year. Uh, It is about 20th century classical music, particularly 20th century music, but it focuses on classical music, what we would know as Western classical music in this in this world. Uh, So like all the German composers and all the, you know, the New York minimalists and everything. Really excellent book. Like not only is it well written and entirely comprehensive, but it does two things that I really like. One is that it puts all of these big works that if you are a fan of 20th century music, you have heard about, right? Like The Rites of Spring and uh, Salome by Richard Strauss and uh, all the John Cage stuff. It puts all of that into very deep context. Like it really tells you what was going on in the years leading up to it. The, The big events or the big releases that you've heard about, how that changed things. The other thing that it does is it turns all of these people, all of these composers into actual human beings who interacted with each other. Like there are parties that they all attended. There were groups that they were all part of. They sent letters to each other. And if you just listen to the music and you see the names, you know the names, right? You know, like Schoenberg, you know, Mahler, Mm -hmm. you know, Mendelssohn. Yeah. Like, you know, the names. Mendelssohn part of that. I just like (laughs) that because I've been listening to a lot of Felix Mendelssohn lately. (laughs) Yes, but, contemporaries. But what you didn't know is that they like hung out together and they had uh-huh. meals together and had arguments. And it really puts you inside of those conversations because a lot of them were documented in in letters and in journals. Uh, maybe they use the iPhone app. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I really like that because it's very humanizing, you know, to not only love the music and hear about how the music was created, but also learn a lot more about the people that actually created it and what they were thinking. So, yeah, great book. I recommend it for anybody uh, especially read it and don't do the audiobook because then you can listen to the music while you're reading about the music, which is like crazy mm. meta way that I like to read music books. That's cool. Mm. That is cool. It's almost like mixed reality without the headset. It is. An immersive experience. An immersive mm-hmm. experience. You got to twist that dial. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show for this week. Brenda, thank you for joining us. Thank you for flying all the way out here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I am on the 600th episode. We're so glad to have you in studio. And uh, we appreciate you flying all the way across the country to cover Apple and to be here with us. And uh, we hope that you enjoy your airport meal and your flight home. Thank you. I'm not looking forward to it, but (laughs) I know that my bed awaits. So at least we have that.
And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have any feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter and on Blue Sky. Just check the show notes. <laughs> Our producer is Boone Ashworth. We will be back next week. And until then, goodbye. Do you like chips? Do you like gadgets? Do you like new features in iOS? Do you like widgets? Get them all Monday, Monday, Monday at Dub Dub in Cupertino. Invite only. <laughs> okay, did you get all that? This episode was brought to you by Empower. Are you ready for life's important milestones? What will your retirement look like? Do you know your net worth? Empower can help answer your money questions so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. From PR.